Actor-activist Yuval David is here to talk about his involvement with the uh, Shoah Foundation and give us his spin on our LGBTQ issues. Hi, Yuval. Hello, Charlotte. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Tell us about the uh, Shoah Foundation and how you became involved. The Shoah Foundation was founded by Steven Spielberg in 1994. It's known for interviewing and recording the testimonies of Holocaust survivors, and it has this visual history archive, which is one of the largest digital collections of its kind in the world. It uses these testimonies that it records from Holocaust survivors and shares that on to empower other people who have survived genocides, and it uses it as a form of education, and it also keeps these testimonies, which are so very important, especially in this day and age when revisionist history is far too prevalent and far too frightening when people are trying to share untruths and change history. So here, the Shoah Foundation has these testimonies that it's sharing of Holocaust survivors. Steven Spielberg actually was inspired to do this while he was filming Schindler's List, because while he was doing it, every day on set, Holocaust survivors would actually show up and start talking to him and thank him for being a storyteller and started telling him their stories. So he realized that he had something very important to do. And with this amazing team of all of the people who have worked and continue to work at the Shoah Foundation, they now recognize this responsibility that they have to interview the people, to capture the testimonies, to record the testimonies, and share them onwards. Your grandparents were uh, Holocaust survivors. Uh, tell us about their story and how you got involved in the uh, Next Generation Project with the uh, Shoah Foundation. My grandparents were Holocaust survivors and heroes of the war. When I was a child, walking in public with them, I would always proudly laugh and say that I couldn't walk more than a few steps with my grandparents without a stranger coming up to them and speaking with them and then telling me, do you know who your grandparents are? Do you know who your grandfather is, who your grandmother is? I'm only alive today because of what your grandparents did. And I was immersed in the stories of these Holocaust survivors and in the stories of my grandparents. They started to share their experiences and speak out about it, and they focused on helping others whenever they could because of what they experienced, and actually in spite of, because there was no reason why they should be alive according to uh, the Nazi plan and all of the Europeans who supported the Nazi plan. But they did survive, and they focused on resilience, and they focused on the determination to live well with happiness and to help people along the way. And, and I was raised with that. Those ideals were instilled in me, in my soul, since I was a young age. And I remember the great honor in 1996 when I was a little kid, and the Shoah Foundation came to interview my grandparents. And being there and watching them being interviewed was such a great honor because it basically said, here is this official organization 
that wants to record their stories, their testimonies, and share them onwards. And the reason that's so important is there's something that was validating for Holocaust survivors, that somebody says, I want you to tell your story. I want you to tell me your story, not just about what you experienced during the Holocaust, but what was your life like before that? And what was your life or what is your life like after that? Because it tells this complete picture of a human being who's a survivor. And when I first met people who worked at the Shoah Foundation as an adult, I was the fan. I was the geek who was saying, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What can I do to help you? And that's what started my further involvement specifically with the Shoah Foundation. For years, I would speak on intergenerational dialogues where they would have a Holocaust survivor, a child of a Holocaust survivor, and a grandchild of a Holocaust survivor. And just to hear us all speaking about our experiences, uh, of course, with the majority of the focus on the Holocaust survivors. And sometimes this would be with my grandparents, and sometimes they would mix people from different families to really speak about their experiences. So the Shoah Foundation was interested in my continuing that, and I would speak at events and also help uh, doing fundraising because with all of my organizational involvement, I understand how important donations are. Organizations need donors to support because as incredible as these initiatives are, they do need support. So I said, okay, I do really great donor pitches. Let me do your donor pitches. Let me uh, donate myself. Let me help raise funds. Whatever I can do, let me help. Because I was affected by the work of the Shoah Foundation. And I know how I would just want its efforts and, and its achievements to be even greater on a grander scale. The Shoah Foundation also helps represent people who've survived other genocides. So we took it beyond the Jewish experience during the Holocaust. It took it beyond Jewish Holocaust survivors. It started to capture the testimonies and interview survivors of the Holocaust who were LGBTQ or political dissidents. Uh, and then it started to focus on other genocides. It focused on Rwanda. It started to focus on so many other peoples and other stories and said, this is our task. And it was all inspired by that Jewish principle of we need to help ourselves, we need to help our community, and at the same time, we must help other people and we must help other communities. So as a grandchild of these heroes who lived their life that way, and with my focus on living my life that way, it was such an easy flow for me to collaborate with the Shoah Foundation, which has the same exact initiative. What's your spin on the uh, rise of anti-Semitism in this country? The rise of anti-Semitism in this country, in the United States, is parallel to the rise in anti-Semitism across the world. As an American, I'm especially frightened because I live here in America, and sadly, Tragically and horrifyingly, I'm affected by it on an almost daily basis. Every morning when I open up my phone and look at my social media, I get terrible, disgusting, anti-Semitic messages uh, as direct messages across social media, as 
comments on my YouTube videos, on my Instagram, on my TikTok, on my Facebook. And on one hand, it's demoralizing, but on the other hand, it inspires me to speak out as an activist even more because I understand that it is my responsibility as a Jewish activist, as a humanitarian, as a philanthropist, as an LGBTQ activist, as somebody who focuses on marginalized communities. I must speak out and proud and in an informed way about my Jewish identity and my Jewish people and that we need to be protected. Anti-Semitism seems to be brushed under the carpet far too much. And that's another disturbing thing that I even see from other social justice warriors, where they'll speak about the hate and the bigotry, the hate speech and the violence that other marginalized groups are facing. But I also feel that they're not speaking out enough about what the Jewish community is facing. And when people talk about where anti-Semitism is coming, is it the right or the left, my response is always, it's not a linear thing. It's a circle. Because we're seeing anti-Semitism coming from all different types of peoples and all different types of movements. You know what, Charlotte? I'm tired of hearing people say that the rise of anti-Semitism is the canary in the coal mine. So many people talk about it. Ooh, anti-Semitism is the canary in the coal mine. Okay, fine. We hear this being said again and again. Now, what I think is really the canary in the coal mine is when we're hearing a rise of anti-Semitism from the left, from the progressive communities, from the woke communities, because we're used to the anti-Semitism coming from the far-right extremes. Our Jewish history has dealt with those wackos throughout the course of our existence. But when it comes from the liberal communities, that's when it's very frightening. That's when it means something is really wrong. And it is our job as Jews and the people who believe in our rights for existence and safety to speak up, to take action. And that's why I do everything I can to write the articles, to create the content, to speak about my identity and how my identity affects everything I do, and to support and collaborate with organizations like the Shoah Foundation. What would you like to accomplish with your work? What I would like to accomplish with my work is a big question because I work as an actor, TV host, director, filmmaker, and advocate. I really see all of those elements of my career as kind of being different strategies to work in the same direction. Ultimately, I'm a storyteller who shares narratives and characters in order to entertain, uplift, inspire, and empower. And that's really my mantra. That's my creative mantra. With everything I do professionally or uh, even if I'm volunteering, I want to make sure that I entertain, uplift, inspire, and empower myself and others, whether they're on set with me, whether it's the audience, whether it's the people who are on stage with me in a panel discussion or the people who are listening to my speech, or when I actually lobby and advocate and meet with elected officials. How can I do the same thing for them so that they can better help others? I love my journey. I'm very into it. I geek out about it. I'm excited about the process, and I want to keep improving myself. 
but I also want to help other people do the same thing. So that's what I want to accomplish with my work. What would you like to see happen for our LGBTQ community in the Biden administration? So I've actually been meeting with LGBTQ advisors to the Biden administration, to the White House, and also within the State Department and within other political branches and political organizations, in addition to the NGOs, the non-governmental organizations. Because if we can further the rights and the equality and the open expression of what it means to be LGBTQ+, then we're also furthering the rights and abilities of everybody else. That's why the LGBTQ community is the most diverse community in the world. It's because we're part of every other community in the world. So when we help LGBTQ initiatives move forward, we're also helping anybody who deals with gender issues. We help with women's rights. When we focus on trans rights, we also focus on women's rights and men's rights and all other people. When we focus on any element of this LGBTQ movement, we're able to help other societies. And I think that that's really an amazing thing. So what would I like to see happen for our LGBTQ community in the Biden administration is that the forward-moving advancement of our rights and equalities continue past this administration. So we will not be frightened about what will happen in the next administration. With LGBTQ teens already four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers after facing bullying incidents, what advice would you have for these kids, especially in these uh, challenging times? LGBTQ teens face bullying incidents that are very, very challenging for them, especially when LGBTQ people are still othered when from the pulpits of churches and mosques people are speaking negatively about LGBTQ people. So their bullies are empowered to speak negatively and even to physically assault lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer youth. They feel that it's okay. So that makes it very hard for these LGBTQ teens who are already dealing with all of the weirdness that comes with being a teenager. And my advice for these kids, especially in this era, especially in this already challenging socio-political pandemic situation we're in, is to remember that they are part of a community. They are part of a movement. And in less than a one-minute time spent doing a Google search, they'll be able to find leaders and organizations and know that they're not alone. To feel alone is a horrible sensation. And so many of us feel it regularly, especially any of us who are ambitious and have goals or uh, go out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we'll feel alone. And it's important for us to know that we're not, that there are people who are out there who are like us, who are dedicating their lives for the greater good of our LGBTQ community and also for other communities and other peoples. So my advice is join an organization Join a group, see how you can be a volunteer or an intern or, or even work on salary and know that it is your responsibility as a teenager to lead this society in the direction you want it to go in just as much as any adult 
has that same responsibility. How can people get information about you and also your work? I'm very easy to find online. Uh, of course, there's my website, uvaldavid.com. There aren't that many Uval Davids out there, but there are a bunch of us. So you can also find me on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter where I share my work and I share my articles and the content that I create as a filmmaker and director and also my work as an actor and television host. I'm very lucky and blessed and also quite driven to keep doing what I do. So I keep putting stuff out there. So it's very, very easy to find me on social media. I also enjoy connecting to other people. My audience is important to me. The people who collaborate with me are important to me. It's kind of my way to make sure that I'm connected to a community of people who care about similar things to me. What other projects are you working on? I feel like I'm constantly working on multiple projects at the same time, juggling production schedules. I'm currently directing a feature-length documentary called Wonderfully Made LGBTQ Plus R, where the R stands for religion, and it explores the intersection of religious and LGBTQ identity. My goal is for this to be an ongoing series, uh, which is in development. The other thing is I record voiceovers every day, uh, narrating documentaries and doing commercials, sometimes doing animation, which is really fun. I'm also the host of an advocacy series reporting on underreported human rights atrocities across the world. And one thing that has really been incredible about that, for example, is I created a video and a series of articles that I published in different publications across the U.S. and the U.K. that were about LGBTQ people in Afghanistan. And that ended up getting a lot of traction to the point that I recently was named an ambassador of the Rainbow Railroad, which is an organization that helps get LGBTQ people out of dangerous situations around the world and help them achieve asylum and live in a safe place. Uh, to date, I have helped 23 lesbian and gay people in Afghanistan flee Afghanistan and no longer deal with the bullying and the rape that they were dealing with on an almost daily basis under the Taliban and under people who follow Sharia law. I find that to be inspiring for me to continue with what I do because if the content that I create, whether it's videos or a film or an article or speaking out, can help save people's lives, then what greater success is there than that? Is there a question you wish people would ask you? Well, there are all kinds of questions I wish people would ask me. I, I like to lean into conversations. Uh, I'm not embarrassed to discuss any of those challenging questions because life is challenging. So I often say that if something is challenging, continue the conversation by inquiring what makes it challenging for you. But with my involvement with the Shoah Foundation, it's also important not just to focus on the honor that I had to be the first descendant of Holocaust survivors to be interviewed by them just recently, 
but it's also important for me to to focus on their continuing efforts through the last chance testimony collection. The remaining survivors of the Holocaust have stories that must be shared, and time is of the essence. Their initiative now aims to interview survivors who, for complex and often very personal reasons, didn't come forward in the 1990s, and their testimonies need to be recorded, as they're telling the history that has affected our present day. All of these testimonies are necessary, and the fight against this unprecedented ignorance that we're seeing in our society and the diminishment and the denial of the atrocities and the history of the Holocaust need to be recorded, need to be shared. These testimonies are so important. The violent anti-Semitism around the world is at its highest rate in decades, in decades, and that's frightening. So these new testimonies that the Shoah Foundation is trying to to record are so necessary to connect the generations, those who survived atrocities and those who must take action to ensure that they never happen again. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra to get you through these difficult times? My favorite quote or mantra to get me through these difficult times is a mantra that I've used since I was a teenager, actually. And that is to live the life of the loving adventure, where love is not just an emotion, it's a state of being, and everything is an adventure. That philosophy helps me get through the challenges, because the challenges are part of the adventure. And I'm not adventuring in order to stop, I'm adventuring in order to keep going, to keep moving forward. And when things are hard, and things often are hard, and I deal with all kinds of challenges in life throughout career and advocacy and trying to help other people. And there are many things that are challenging, but I know that I must be resilient and I must be determined to live my best life. 